Hi, Sarah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the hell you are. Uh, good afternoon now. Yeah. Oh, so if it's afternoon, that means the dogs are awake and soon we shall be hearing Seriously. from the dogs. Seriously. The dogs it's will be five, joining the... It's five o'clock, so come on, we've got to talk fast. Because yeah. by 5.30, they'll be walking. Geezers of dogs. Geezers of canine. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Thanks for joining me today. I thought it'd be fun to have you along. Uh, this is a very special episode, and I can tell you that in uh, January of 2019, uh, I never thought necessarily that this was going to go for five years. I was pretty committed to it. Like, I didn't want to, uh, you know, just start something and do a couple of episodes and be done with it. I was really into this idea of doing a podcast, but I'll tell you. And we were just talking about this off the air. Podcasting is hard. And I don't think people know this, but half the time you're sitting there talking to yourself and there's not a heck of a lot of stuff going on with that podcast. And, you know, I know that you're a, you're a big stats person. Maybe you can share some of that information with us. But, you know, I will tell you, it's quite an accomplishment that we're here talking on our fifth anniversary of, of Geezers of Gear and not only have, have we survived, but we've thrived. We've done very well. We've got loads and loads of fans and listeners and guests and uh, sponsors, which we're going to talk about here in a minute as well. Um, but, you know, it, most don't survive and most never get past certain, uh, you know, thresholds or whatever, and they give up. And, you know, just like most things in life, you don't lose until you quit. And I'm a bit of a stubborn ass. And so I don't quit very easily. And so I got past that part where people were listening to five and then calling me or texting me and saying, Marcel, you're an idiot. Would you just shut up already? Like, you're talking nonsense. I don't care what your favorite three concerts were or whatever. Then, then don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> then don't listen. I mean, that's the great thing about podcasting. There's a bazillion of them out there. Go to the next one. Go listen to one about why you have to get up to pee in the middle of the night or something. I'm sure there's <laughs> lots of pee podcasts or, you know, vegetarian podcasts. Whatever it is you're into, I don't care. But, uh, you know, the thing is we've managed to carve out a following and we've managed to carve out sponsors and we've managed to survive. And what are share some of those stats with us. Sarah. Yeah, so I was looking today and you'll be surprised like what percentage of the podcasts actually succeed. And there is a 50% chance that any podcast is going to pod fade with more than half a million churned out yearly, only 20% survive. So that I thought okay, was so like um, let me let me unpack this. So there's a half a million podcasts that come out every year, new podcasts, and only 20% of those live past yep, that year 20%. point. Past yep, past the year. Wow. That's incredible. Yep. So that and means that means 400,000 podcasts are dying. New podcasts, not not existing podcasts. 400,000 new podcasts are dying every year. And here we are five years in and we've survived. Incredible. And like you said, it is hard work. There's a lot of planning behind it. There's, It's not just, okay, someone jumps on and you chat. There's a lot of behind the scenes, especially now with social media. You know, like yeah. everything that you do, you have to spend time. You have to think of ways to do it, to say it. And you, I always keep on saying you have to be seen. Yeah. But I've known people with, you know, my other little business that I do as well. Mm -hmm. They've come in and they've gone, oh, I'm, I'm going to do a couple of videos like you've had friends. Oh, I'll, I'll come and do a podcast. They think it's easy. They do maybe 10 maximum and then that's it. They've given up. Well, that's you know, a great and they point. Can't you know, people are doing podcasts, I think, for the wrong reasons sometimes. And I'm not shaming anyone, you know, during COVID a lot of people went, oh, Marcel's doing that thing over there. It looks pretty easy. I'm going to go create a podcast about the entertainment or roadie business or the lighting business or sound business or whatever it was. And some of them were good. You know, I listened to all of them. Every time I saw a new one pop up in the industry, I listened to it. But I knew, like I knew, I went, you're a pretty busy guy or girl I know that yeah. as soon as this industry pops back up a little bit and there's shows again, 
this podcast is disappearing. So why should I invest my time into your podcast if I know you're not going to continue to invest your time into it? So I think with Geezers of Gear, I think five years ago, we developed a trust uh, platform where I told people, I'm going to keep doing this. Like this thing's going to grow. It's going to become something. I want you to be a part of it. And so we've got listeners today that have been listening since the very first episode, lots of them. But I do believe as well, it's because, and you know, don't get a big head here now, Marcel, but it is because you love doing it. You love doing it. I said to you when I first started, you know, you you wanted one a week. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what about we try for two a week? You know, like I was trying to, and you was like, yeah, I love it. Don't worry, I'll I'll allocate these days. Now, if you didn't have the love for it and you you was like, I find time, whatever whatever you want, sir, I find time. Now that's what you need. And hopefully it comes across in the podcast that, you know, you love it and now I love it. So well, I got to be you know. honest. I don't love them all. So, you know, there are podcasts <laughs> where I'm sitting, looking at the timer on my screen, wondering, you know, can we cut this one a little short? Could it be 40 minutes instead of 60 or whatever? And, um, you know, it's all down to the guest. And I mean, fortunately out of 200 and however many episodes it is now, 218 or something, about 210 of those have been incredible and maybe 10 or 15 uh, have been kind of like, you know, still great people still, you know, but I love stories. I love people who come on the podcast and take over like, believe it or not. And I know people think I love the sound of my own voice. I actually hate it. When I go back and listen to podcasts, I, I cringe at the me parts and, and I love the them parts. Right. So, um, so yeah, I do love doing it when when it's a good guest. Uh, when it's not a good guest, it feels a little bit more like a job and like something that I have to be a professional and, and work my way through. Um, and, you know, I think the audience knows that too because I get calls like Eric Loader is the classic uh, podcast, well, sponsor, fan, guest, host, whatever he wants to be. He's been it in our podcast, but... Um, and Eric will call me, he'll call me from his car and he'll be like, you know, Marcel, that guest, I'll tell you what, he was boring and, uh, you know, great guy, great business, but what a boring guest. And it's, it's a style, you know, if it's just a Q and a thing, I'm probably not the world's greatest interviewer. I'm trying to pull stories out of you. Yeah. So, You're trying to lead the way and yeah. for then everyone to just take over. So on that note, I'm going to take over. No. Oh, go ahead. Give us some more stats. Podcast stats. Yeah. Well, actually, I did. There was a couple of other ones. And as far as like downloads, so, you know, how many listeners is good for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, I was looking at it. And if you've got more than 32 downloads, you are in the top 50% of podcasts. If you've got wow. more than 121 downloads, you're in the top 25% of podcasts. More than 70 478 downloads, you're in the top 10%. And then more than 1,123, you're in the top five podcasts. Now, roughly per episode, we are, you know, we're we're actually in the middle between 25% and 10%. Oh, yeah, it depends. I mean, we have a lot of podcasts that over time go into the thousands, uh, but usually it's in the hundreds to a thousand or whatever. I'm talking like the first week, you know, in that bracket already. So, you know, that's, that, that's. Well, and we're in a very niche business too. Like a lot of these podcasts are about, you know, going to the gym or about cooking or about just general subjects. We're in a very, very niche, very small, very focused, uh, audience. And so, no, I mean, I'm, I'm super grateful and happy for the fact that people instantly, like, I mean, we can pop a podcast up. And one of the great things about podcasts is you can see how many listeners you're getting, how many YouTube views you're getting, but you can see it real time and you can see what countries they're coming from and stuff too. So by the way, I mean, I bet if you went into statistics on how many get outside of the U S the U.S. is about, I think, 45 or 50 percent of our audience. The rest is outside yeah. the U.S. And, you know, yeah. we're real big in Canada, big in the U.K., big all over Europe. We get listeners in China, Australia, countries I've never heard of are yeah. listening to our podcast. So it's incredible. Anyways, back to the stats, Sarah. 
perspective. Yeah, I know, I know. But just because I know you listen to him, I listen to him as well. But who has the most successful podcast in, I mean, not always top, Joe but Rogan. definitely top 10. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Joe Rogan has, and then a very close second, that's where we are. So, you know, we're not far behind him, Marcel. Well, like <laughs> us in our industry, you know, in our industry, I feel like I was a pioneer because people are like, what the hell are you doing, Marcel? Why are you doing this? Like, this is stupid. Nobody's going to listen to this. Joe Rogan, in a much, much bigger way, was a pioneer. You know, a few years before I ever started a podcast, Joe Rogan did it. And friends and people were saying, Joe, what are you doing? Like, you don't have time to do this. What a waste of time. Now the guy's making, I don't know, $20 million a year or something doing podcasts. I mean, it's incredible. And I'm not here for the money, believe it or not. Like I know people know that I'm an entrepreneur and, and a capitalist, but um, at our level, it's very hard to make any money podcasting. And, and really the reason we have sponsors is to cover our costs and expenses and everything else. And hopefully at the end of the day to have a little left to be able to invest into some marketing to grow the podcast. And, you know, if we grow it to yeah. a certain point, then who knows, maybe you actually do make a, a dollar or two, but that's certainly not why we do it. It's not the goal. It's not why I got into it. Uh, it's more mm -hmm. about all the other stuff, the more uh, organic stuff. Any more stats? Exactly. And it's fantastic. Uh, no, just, well, actually, just the average podcast is uploaded once a week. So that's like the average one. And mm -hmm. the length of it is around 44 minutes. But it did vary between... 20 minutes to an hour and a half. So again, we're kind of like in the middle of everything where, where yeah. we should be basically. Okay. Well, I mean, we've I... got some, some podcasts that are an hour. Some, some of them are three, but the three ones are because it's really, really, really interesting. Well, yeah, and... it's a lot of stories, you know, so, and there's a yeah, couple that exactly. I can think of that we've had to cut into two episodes. Like one uh, was Doc McGee. Um, and that was just, it was part because he had to go into a meeting and we had to finish it on his drive back home. And uh, the other one, I forget what the other one was that I know we cut in half. But um, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of them that were that long. But as far as the number of episodes, one per week, I was thinking about that, um, you know, five years. So that would be uh, 250, 260 episodes would be five, uh, five years at one a week. And we're at about, I think as we sit here, we've recorded 220. And so, yeah. um, so we're a little bit off. We're a little bit off that uh, one a week average. Yeah, but you need a holiday, Marcel. Come we on. also had COVID. We had COVID in the middle of this thing and the industry was pretty shut down and there were no sponsors and stuff like that during COVID. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of what we've built. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm grateful to be in the position that I'm in. Uh, I'm excited to have a producer who is an awesome person sitting across from me here right now. And Thanks, I, awesome. I feel very good about 2024 for this podcast. And, uh, one of the reasons is, is the sponsors. And you may notice we didn't have any sponsors at the front end of this. It's because I really wanted to talk about them all for a minute and I won't take much time because I know this might get boring for competitors of these sponsors or even for some of our listeners. But um, first and foremost, Elation, uh, you know, Eric and his amazing team have been with us since the very, very beginning. Not only are they a sponsor, but I know that Eric listens to pretty much every single episode and he listens on his way to work uh, or he listens when he's on the treadmill and he will call or text me often and he'll critique my work he'll critique the guest and say he was a terrible guest she was a great guest whatever um and he'll correct me he'll sometimes call me and give me facts sometimes you know like I had no idea I said something false and he'll call and correct me and sometimes it's political like sometimes he'll call and say you shouldn't have said that and whatever I'm I'm a big mouth and I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say but um, recently, uh, I was talking about a gentleman named uh, Rich Fuller, who, who was the founder and owner of a company in Portland called Hollywood Lights, and I called him Rich Fowler. 
and I haven't spoken to or about or with Rich in a very long time, so it was an easy mistake to make. I apologize for making that mistake, but of course, Eric, with the photographic memory for you know thousands of years, uh, he corrected me on it. But I we appreciate Elation very much. Again, small break during COVID because everybody shut down their marketing department during COVID, but very small break. He came back on very quickly after. Other than that small break during COVID, Elation has been with me since day one. They believed in what we were doing. They believed in me. They believed in the branding. They believed in our audience, in our messaging, and uh, we appreciate it. Similarly, ACT Entertainment with uh, Ben Saltzman at the head. Ben uh, has been a supporter, a believer in the podcast. Uh, He's been on the podcast a few times, and uh, uh, Act is a big company. There's no shortage of brands and and ideas and thoughts to promote when it comes to Act. So I love having them as a sponsor. There seems to be no end in sight. Both Act and Elation seem to be in for the long run, I hope. I hope I'm not jinxing myself by saying that, but uh, they're still on board today, five years in. So uh, very, very grateful for both of them. And then we get into some some sort of unique uh, sponsor partners, uh, the first being Stratum Pro, who started with us mid-2022. And um, I'm so grateful for Stratum Pro. They're a small company. You know, if you compare them to either Elation or Act, they're probably, I don't know, 5% of the size or 3% of the size or something. But Daniel and... Uh, and Tori, uh, his wife, who, who run the company and own the company, are amazing people. Um, they came to us and Daniel said, would you even consider me as a sponsor? And I looked at his company and his branding and everything. And I said, of course I would. You know, you, you, you guys are like the heartbeat of America. You're a small up and coming production company in the Midwest. You're working hard. You're doing the right things for your customers. We'd be honored to have you as a sponsor of the podcast. And uh, again, they've been with us almost two years now. They haven't indicated that they're leaving anytime soon. So we're really excited about what's been happening with Stratum. By the way, they've grown a ton in that period that they've been with us. And uh, so that's exciting. And then Mainlight, I mean, what can you say about Mainlight? You know, it, it they became a sponsor after Mike Cannon bought the company. But I've been a fan and a friend of Mainlight for many years when it was owned by Idis. And um, I'm super grateful to be partnered with with such a great company and a growing brand. And uh, Mike Cannon is a good friend of mine and somebody I respect very much. And so we're proud to, to represent and uh, we're super grateful to have them on board as a sponsor. And um, I think either myself or maybe Sarah have mentioned previously, but we have two more sponsors already signed up. I'm not going to tell you who they are. I will tell you they're both Canadian companies and great brands. We're really looking forward to promoting both of them. They've both committed for a full year for all of 2024 and hopefully beyond. And um, that leaves us with only two more spots to fill. And we're talking to several companies, most of whom you have all heard of and will know and love. And we expect to get those deals done in the next week or two. Uh, No pressure, Sarah. Um, So (laughs) yeah, again, I've said it a hundred times. I mean, this podcast is not you can tell I don't have a super professional uh, studio or anything. I'm in a room in the house. And, um, you know, we don't put a huge amount of money into promotion or marketing, but we're starting to put some. But there's costs. I mean, this software that we're recording on, the microphone that I'm recording on, the mixing console I'm recording on, these are all expenses. The time that I'm taking out of my day and, and out of my company, I'm taking time away from my company to do this. So there are costs involved in running this podcast we wouldn't be able to do it without our sponsors. So thank you very much, all of you. We appreciate you very much and um, look forward to promoting your companies and talking about you for another year this year. We'll uh, talk about you again on the sixth anniversary. And uh, so, yeah, Sarah, anything to add about the sponsors at all? I know you've gotten to know most of them because you talk to them every week about new promos and stuff. I know. I I just, I just love it now. The communication that I have with everybody. um, Yeah. It's it's brilliant. And as I said, we always trying to ramp up. Oh, coffee, coffee cults. By the way, I just (laughs) finished my cup of coffee cult coffee, my second one today. And uh, so speaking of sponsors, they're not really a sponsor, but they're a, they're a friend and, and a partner of us. But 
you know, they don't pay to sponsor the, the show. They, no, but it they is, pay to help it, people in the industry. They pay into exactly, a charity, which for me is just as important, exactly. more important. Yeah. And you always forget geezers, uh, geezers get geezers. Yeah, Come geezers, on. I know obviously. you're so, I'm, you know, yeah, that's, everyone says seriously, but a bit self-indulgent uh, by promoting gear source, but obviously none of this would happen without gear source. I mean, gear source exactly. allows me the time and, and ability and, and opportunity to do this podcast um, also has connected me to most of the guests, most of the sponsors, like through my career with gear source uh, is, is why this even happens. So of course I forget to mention gear source, but you're right. Another great one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what was I going to talk about next? I wanted to talk about just some of our favorite episodes. And when you have 200 and something episodes over a span of five years, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of good ones. And uh, I picked out 15 that I think, for whatever reason, are really, really super important to me. If I had to keep episodes in a vault and I could only pick 10, I'd probably stretch it to 20 or something and say, come on, let me keep 20. But uh, 15 was really hard because there's another 15 on top of these that were equally important to these ones. But just for the sake of doing a podcast, I had to pick 15. Um, there's a lot of sort of honorable mentions in there and, and some funny flops and stuff too. Like uh, when I had a co-host on board in the beginning because I thought that's what you needed to do for a podcast. And and uh, in reality, I think it, it became much better when it, it uh, when I didn't have the pressure of moving out of the way to let somebody else talk all the time, as you know, Sarah. Um, I think it became better. So uh, nothing against my prior co-host, but uh, I think we became better when, when uh, it became sort of a solo person host podcast. Don't you go get rid of me. <laughs> uh, well, you're not really a co-host. I mean, sometimes no, you are, I'm but not. you're uh, you're the the person behind the scenes that makes sure it's all working. And, and yeah, but uh, watch, watch by the this way, space, though, good so. job, Sarah. You know, it's what your like two month anniversary, and uh, it is two been, months for me. You've been kicking ass. So uh, no, it's <laughs> been honestly. If I look back three months to today, I think we're a completely different podcast today than we were three months ago. So that says it all right there. Um, so starting, these are all just in numerical order. So it's not that one is my favorite or 15 is my favorite. These are just in numerical order in history. So the earliest one that's on my top 15 list is, and I'm going to try not to get a tear during this one, but Tim Brennan, uh, who was always one of my favorite friends, you know, since I got into the business in the United States, uh, I met Tim very early on. He became one of my favorite friends. As anyone who knows or knew Tim, I should say, uh, would attest to, it's a complicated friendship. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so one day he'd tell you he loves you, and the next day he'd say, go fuck yourself and hang up on you. And uh, But I miss him dearly. I miss him every time I go to Vegas. And <clears throat> so... Listen to the episode, though. Tim says some amazing things during that episode, and sorry I'm breaking up a bit, but um, listen to it. It's episode nine, one of my favorites, maybe my favorite. Next, a little more fun, is John Wiseman. And so John, again, one of my best friends in the entire industry, one of the people I've looked up to since I got into the industry, uh, probably without argument, the very best uh account exec in the entire industry, the guy that you'd least want to have to compete against in the industry, tough as nails, uh, but a heart as big as anything. I mean, just the guy that will do anything for anyone to help you at any given time, but he will crush you in a deal if he has the opportunity. Um, but on his very first episode, he was actually really nervous. He didn't really know what to say or what not to say and all of those types of things. And I remember the conversations we had leading up to it were, were very funny because he thought, you know, that this was a really serious thing and he had to be really careful and stuff. And if you know John Wiseman, you know, there's not much of a filter there that can be applied. And uh, during this episode, he told a story which goes down in my memory as probably one of the top five stories ever told on the podcast 
um, he told a story of when uh, Mickey Kerbishley came over to Australia to interview for a job with John at Verilite. And at the time, John was a severe uh, drug addict and alcoholic. He was drinking a bottle of Jack or whatever and doing, you know, an ounce of blow every day or whatever. And uh, severe drug addict and heavy, heavy drinker. Most of the time didn't know where he was and stuff. But they went scuba diving off the beach. And uh, John said, come on, Mickey, let's go, go get in the water and do some scuba diving. And so they're underwater. And because John is still drunk from the night before or whatever, he threw up in his uh, uh, regulator. Oh, no, no. And so all these chunks are coming out. Sorry for the visual. But all these chunks are coming out from his regulator. And all the fish started coming in, eating away at it and, and just like swarming him basically, right? So him and Mickey both panicked and they were like, we got to get to the surface. And boom, they oh, stood no. up They stood up, and they were in like waist deep water. <laughs> like they thought they were out in the middle of the ocean. They're in waist deep water about, you know, 10 yards from the beach. And all these kids are looking at them in horror and mothers like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> they just stood up and they're on the beach, right? So just a really, I mean, you had to hear him telling the story because it was absolutely hilarious. Um, so that's episode 12. John's been on the podcast a few times, but do yourself a favor, go back to 12 and, uh, and look for some of the stories. John has incredible experiences, incredible knowledge. He talks very openly about his drug addiction, especially on this episode and um, the fact that he literally almost was dead and wouldn't be alive today if he didn't finally make the decision to borrow the money from his parents. This is a guy who ran Verilite, who was at a very high position at Light and Sound Design, who was literally on top of the world of, of concert lighting, and he had to borrow money from his parents to go to uh, rehab, wow. and it saved his life. And I think that's something like 27 years ago or 28 years ago or something. We talked about it again recently on the podcast. But he's, he's very proud of the fact that he's clean and sober. Uh, he talks very openly about addiction. He would help anybody through it. He has helped many people through it. The guy is, is a saint uh, with sort of devil's clothing. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a big mouth and he says some very unpopular things at times. But... Uh, he's he's an amazing guy. So go listen to episode 12. Right after it was episode 13, which was Mark Brickman. And for those of you who have been asleep for 50 years, uh, Mark was the lighting designer for the entire career of, of Pink Floyd and um, did some incredible things, including one of the most iconic lighting looks ever, which was that big round circle of VL5s, I think they were. Actually, he tells me on the podcast, but I forget what they were. Maybe it was VL4s or something. I don't remember. But, you know, doing this whole, like, uh, I don't know, sort of a kaleidoscope effect uh, in this circle. And, you know, if you go back and look at any live Pink Floyd videos, you'll see that look and you'll go, oh, that was Mark Brickman. And, I mean, Mark did so many other incredible things. He's just a wild man. He's so much fun to talk to. He told some great stories on the podcast. Go listen to episode 13. Mark, Mark is absolutely an icon and a legend of our industry. I'm super happy and proud that I was able to get him on the podcast. I should actually have him on again to talk about his art and the other things he's doing now. But uh, do yourself a favor. Listen to 13. Um, this is becoming the Eric Loader uh, episode right now because it's like the third time I've talked about him already. But episode 16, um, you know, talking about his career and everything else. And I would, sorry, Eric, I'm going to say it. Nothing really extremely amazing about the episode itself other than two things. One, it was Eric's 50th birthday. And Eric refused to do the podcast, Geezers of Gear, until he was officially a geezer, which he decided was 50. And so I he always told me, nope, not ready yet when I'm 50. <laughs> and so literally the morning of his 50th birthday, probably 6.30 in the morning his time because he was going to go play golf afterwards and uh so we recorded about a probably 60 75 minute podcast got through the whole thing right at the end of it I went to click stop on the recording I realized I hadn't started the recording oh no 
So <laughs> what it was is I had started the recording earlier than we started talking. And then I went, okay, let me start recording. And I clicked record again and I shut it off. So I turned oh, off the no. recording for the entire recording. We missed it all. And I went, Eric. And he goes, yeah. What's up? <laughs> and I said, I don't know how to tell you this. And he said, what? And I said, I screwed up. And he said, what? And I said, I forgot to hit record. I screwed up. I didn't record anything we just said. He goes, oh, well, this, is, this tells you who this guy is and the quality of person that this man is. And I'm serious. He goes, oh, well, um, let me go pee, grab another cup of coffee, and we'll record it again. That's I was like, are you serious? Like, you're waiting to go out and play golf. It's your 50th birthday morning. You're with your family. You just did an hour and a half with me, and you're going to do it again. He goes, yeah, what else are we going to do? We got to do it again. You know, and I was just like, I was shocked. I, I was so embarrassed and so upset with myself, but I was just so, like, grateful that there are humans like this on the earth. So, uh Listen to 16, if nothing else, just, you know, in honor of, of uh, Eric Loader, who's, who's just an awesome dude and a great friend of the, of the podcast. Um, episode 19 and 20, this is one of those ones that stretched across two episodes because it took a while and it was recorded, I think, either early in the day, then late in the day, or maybe even two separate days because of his schedule. But you know, it, it was a funny episode because uh, this is Doc McGee. And if you don't know who that is, again, you might have been asleep for the last 40 or 50 years, but probably the most legendary rock and roll manager ever uh, managed Skid Row, Motley Crue, Kiss, Bon Jovi. I'm just going from memory here, trying to remember some. Uh, and a lot of other bands, lots and lots of huge bands in the sort of 80s and 90s era um, still manages Kiss today. Uh, I don't know how that's going now that they've just done their final show, final live show, but you never know with Kiss. They've done many final shows and they're still going. Um, but uh, anyways, Doc McGee, you know, I'm a fanboy, so I'm, I'm asking questions going, uh-huh, 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 like uh, just dying for the answers, right? One of the questions I asked him, I actually asked him because I had, had uh, seen the movie The Dirt, and The Dirt, for those of you, including Sarah, who probably don't know, is uh, Motley Crue wrote a book called The Dirt, or someone wrote a book on Motley Crue called The Dirt. And uh, it literally was the dirt on their career. And so uh, Netflix made a movie about it. And it was a fairly honest movie. And there's a scene in it where Doc McGee, their manager in the movie, is standing on the balcony at a motel and he's looking down at the pool at just total debauchery. You know, it's, it's total full on debauchery. I think this was the one time when it was Motley Crue and Ozzy Osbourne's band and Ozzy was like snorting ants off the, the floor of the pool deck or whatever. And just crazy shit was going on. And, uh, and, um, Doc McGee looks at the camera and he goes, you know, I've managed Skid Row and Kiss and Bon Jovi. Nothing ever prepared me for this shit. <laughs> and uh, it was just really kind of a funny moment. But in the movie, they they said uh, that Motley Crue fired, because Motley Crue fired uh, Doc McGee at one point. And they said they fired Doc McGee, and it had something to do with uh, the bass player Nikki Six's uh, mother, something that Doc McGee had done against Nikki Six's mother or something. And so I asked Doc, I said, was there anything in the movie that was untrue? And he said, actually, you know, the, the one thing for sure was, was uh, how I was fired and why I was fired by the band. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, you know, they said it was something about Nikki's mom. It had nothing to do with Nikki's mom. And I said, so what was it? And he said, um, and uh, Sarah, you may or may not know about this. You might be too young to know about it. But I think it was in, it was, I think, still during the Cold War. And there was a concert in Russia and I forget what it was mm. called, but it was a huge heavy metal concert in Russia. And it was Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, um, Ozzy Osbourne, lots and lots of heavy metal bands. And a bunch of them flew over there on the same jet. And it was just like, again, debauchery, just total full on <laughs> mayhem, partying and craziness and stuff. Right. There's all kinds of stories about what happened. But um, so one of the things was the Russian government uh 
absolutely would not allow pyro. You couldn't have any kind of pyro on the show. And so okay. uh, Doc McGee went to everybody's teams and said, hey, you're not allowed pyro. You're not allowed pyro. What? You know, Motley Crue pyro was a big part of their show. They were a very theatrical band. And no, no pyro. You can't have any pyro. Well, Bon Jovi, who I believe closed the set, um, had pyro. And so they felt like Doc McGee gave favoritism to one of his other artists and they fired him because of that, because they didn't get pyro and, and uh, Bon Jovi did. Um, and, you know, the one other thing I will mention about the Doc McGee episodes mm -hmm. is uh, one of the greatest lines, and I use it all the time and I repeat it all the time, one of the greatest lines ever. So I asked him, I said, you know, we were talking about sort of the state of the music business today. As everyone knows, the music business has changed very much. It's gone from touring to support record sales to uh, record sales to support touring to um, now they tour just to make a living. And record sales for most artists, like Taylor Swift still sells a bazillion records or whatever, but most artists don't make any money selling records anymore, selling music, selling downloads, whatever. Uh, they're making all their money touring. And um, so I said, with all the changes that have happened in the music business, if my son, let's say my son is 19 years old and he's super passionate about music like he is racing and it's all he ever wants to do. He only ever wants to be a musician and he wants to make a living in music. And, and this, is, this is his entire life, his world, his universe. Um, what do I tell him today? And he said, that's a good question. Let me ask you something. And I said, what? And he goes, is he any good? And I said, <laughs> I said, let's pretend he's really good. He's very talented. He's good at it. And he goes, and I said, why do you ask? And he says, well, because everybody's a bull rider till somebody opens the gate. <laughs> and that to me just like was bing, you know, he's totally right. Like the world is a bunch of, of, of posers for the most part. And then you have the few people who really do put in the effort and really will put in the work and make things happen. Uh, the rest of us are, are uh, you know, a bunch of posers. So yep. anyways, great, great episodes, 19 and 20. Doc is an icon. Doc is a legend. Uh, listen to his stories. It's super fun. Uh, 23 is Howard Ungerleiter, who is a great friend of mine. Howard happens to have been the lighting designer for the band Rush since the very beginning of time. He did almost every live show they've ever done, I think, outside. He says on the podcast, but I think it was two shows that he wasn't with them on. I think one was an award show and, and one was something else. Um, but other than that, he did every one of Rush's live shows ever in the history of time, like for 50 years or whatever, right? Wow, and, that uh, is and, you know, I'm Canadian and I'm a bass player. And so a bass player in Canada, you were either a Getty Lee Rush fan or you were just not a bass player in Canada in the 70s and 80s, right? And uh, I was a bass player in Canada. And so I had every bass that Getty Lee from Rush ever had. And I was just a massive fan. And I didn't know Howard back then. I didn't know him until I got into the lighting business. Um, but great friend, great guy. But anyways, on this podcast, on episode 23, Howard tells probably, I can't even say probably, it is the number one story I've ever heard in 200 and however many episodes uh, of our podcast. This is the greatest story. I was in tears laughing. Uh, and it's, it's a story about a pony, and I'm not going to tell you the story now, but go listen to episode 23. Do yourself a favor. You will thank me later, I promise. Howard is an amazing guy. Again, another legend. Every one of these people is a legend, but Howard's a legend of lighting. Uh, still at it today. I talk to him almost weekly at this point and uh, listen to episode 23. 32 is another sad one. Uh, I had uh, Bob Shockrell, uh, who at the time had just retired from uh, Roby. And Bob, of course, is one of the three founders of High End Systems. Um, really smart guy. He, he was kind of the business at high-end systems. Uh, Richard Bellevue was always the, the brains, the designer, the, the creator at high-end systems. And Lowell was like the marketing, make people happy guy who showed up at trade shows and made everybody laugh and stuff. But Bob was the guy who had to count the money and make sure there was enough in the bank and make sure people got paid. And he was the business behind high-end. And I got to tell you, it's eerie now, but 
when I was recording this episode 32, and you'll hear it on the podcast, there were a lot of moments where Bob just couldn't think of really simple answers and really simple timelines and really simple. And uh, my mom is, is in a home with dementia. And so I recognized it. And I didn't say anything, of course, and never would. But I recognized something was going on. And there was some sort of a, a brain thing happening with, with Bob, a memory thing. And um, didn't really think that much of it, but I heard very shortly after that the reason he resigned from his job was because uh, this, I don't know whether it's dementia or, or Alzheimer's, but it was really uh, becoming much more of a problem for him. And as far as I know, and I don't want to misspeak, but as far as I know, uh, he's still among the living today and is living in a home uh, and his wife, Carol, is, is dealing with uh, some horrible things at this point. So um, wishing the best for all of them. Bob is an amazing guy. Uh, I hate to see anybody go through this. I'm watching my mom go through it. It's terrible. And many people listening, probably everyone listening, knows someone who's been through it. Um, it's terrible, terrible sickness. And uh, yeah, so uh, again, not that there's anything terribly incredible on this podcast episode, but I felt like... Uh, it's an important one, and people should listen to episode 32. Um, 40, again, I'm a bit of a fanboy. Hartley PV from PV Electronics. Uh, I was a PV dealer growing up in the musical instrument business, and I think my second bass amp I ever had was a PV. The first one was a piece of shit, and the second one was a PV. And uh, I've had PV basses. I've had all kinds of PV equipment, PV sound systems and stuff over the years. And um, when you're a PV dealer, you know, it's almost like a cult. And, and you go to the trade shows every year and listen to this guy speak. And uh, at NAM, they always did this thing called the PV pre-show that was just a big event. And I remember seeing Pablo Cruz at one of the PV pre-shows. And I was like, what's Pablo Cruz doing here? And they released a keyboard, which was probably one of the first massive mistakes that PV made at the time. But um, again, a really, really great episode from a standpoint that I believe when we recorded this, he was in his late seventies and, um, still sharp as could be still could talk about things that happened in the sixties and seventies. Uh, and one thing that comes through on this episode, number 40 is, is his bitterness towards sort of the move of the entire industry to China from a manufacturing standpoint. He was proudly American-made in Meridian, Mississippi for many, many years, and it just got to a point where, first of all, it was becoming harder and harder to compete, especially with sound systems and amplifiers and stuff um, with, with companies overseas. And um, again, it comes through on this episode that he's, he's still a bit bitter about it. He still uh, doesn't like that change in the industry. Uh, there's some other things that he was a little bit angry about, but it's a great episode. It's it's definitely worth listening to. And again, I love quotes. One of the quotes he made was that if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. Think about that one for a minute. That's a really, really good one. And of course, I That's actually really I, I equate everything to dating. So uh, if you think about you're at the you're at a bar and this has happened to me, by the way, you're at a bar and it's almost it's almost time to go it's like last call has been called and you've got two girls on the hook right now and you're you're like well but that one's a little better looking than this one but this one's got a car which means I don't have to walk home <laughs> and you know and you're like going oh which one which one which one boom they're both gone and now you're like what the hell just happened you know a minute ago I had two now I got none so uh, <laughs> you know just I, it's one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard on the podcast though um, again, for, for, uh, all the wrong reasons, episode 48 with Craig Burroughs, uh, is, is another one of my favorites, very deep talk topic. Uh, Craig had been diagnosed with stage four cancer and, uh, tells the story of how he sat in front of the doctor with his wife and, and was given that news and they both cried for a few minutes. And then Craig just kind of wiped his eyes and looked up at the doctor and said, okay, what can we do next? The doctor said, Craig, maybe you didn't hear me. <laughs> you know, you have, you have unsurvivable, inoperable stage four cancer. Uh, you know, what you need to do next is just prepare for, for the uh, ultimate end. And uh, 
Craig, you know, to his blessing, uh, Craig didn't accept that diagnosis. He didn't accept that that end. Uh, he just said, okay, what do we do next? You know, what's the next thing we, we need to do here to get past this? And so this was uh, episode 48 had to be, I don't know, 2019, 2020, probably 2020. And, um, and Craig's still here today. He's healthy. He's uh, completely yeah, cancer-free, 100% cancer-free. Uh, he, he had a couple of relapses along the way where, where he had to go get some other things done and stuff. He's been through hell for a few years over it, but he's alive today. He's healthy today. He's still my friend. I talked to him last week and, uh, you know, anybody listen to we this. We need him back that, on the show. Yeah. Yeah. We should get him back. I mean, Craig is such a, a voice of positivity and, and just such a great guy. And everybody listening to this is like, oh my God, Craig's amazing. I love Craig. Um, but give a listen to episode 48. It's, uh, it was during COVID. So it was kind of a depressing time anyway, but, but Craig was telling us this story and he had kept most of it pretty secret. So this was kind of his coming out party on the podcast, talking about it. A lot of people, I think, listened to the podcast and went, Oh my God, I had no idea. Um, so yeah, really, really great. Uh, episode 78, Cosmo Wilson, one of my other favorite people. So I know I say this about everybody, but there are probably 20 of my favorite people in the industry and Cosmo's one of them. Again, just a great guy, super positive. There's, there's no surprise that Cosmo has as many friends as he does. And, and I always say it, the downside for Cosmo is that Cosmo is always posting on Facebook that, you know, we lost so-and-so today or we lost so-and-so today. When you've got as many friends as Cosmo does, and we go through uh, we go through COVID, and let's face it, some of the people in our industry are not the healthiest people in the world. We don't live the healthiest lifestyles, especially on tour. And Sarah uh, has had a touring background as well, so you know that. Um, but you know, again, nothing terribly special. This was the first time Cosmo was on the on the podcast. Him telling his story, how he got into uh, lighting to begin with, who his inspirations were. Uh, he worked his way up. He always said yes and then figured it out. He just worked his ass off. And now Cosmo's the LD for some of the biggest bands in the world still and is just so well-loved and uh, probably one of the, the most loved people out there, like the guy who gives and gets the most hugs at every trade show. Uh, so it's just another fun episode. 81, I don't need to say much about this legend, Faye McMahon. Uh, you know, there was some funny stories on it. Uh, you know, Faye, you know, there'll be some funny stories on it. There are some great stories on this one. And, uh, just listen to episode 81 and 85, if I were to guess was probably in about March of 2020. And we created this group called the COVID crew, which was myself, John Wiseman, Eric Loader, uh, Ben Saltzman and... Who am I missing? I'm missing one. Oh, uh, John Featherstone, of course. And, you know, again, all people who tend to know what's going on in the industry. Great group of people, a mix of manufacturer, uh, you know, lighting exec, uh, designer, and then me, whatever the hell I am. And um, just talking about what we thought this all meant, you know, what's going on. Like everybody had canceled shows by this point. Uh, everybody knew that this thing was a big deal by this point. And I remember John making some statements about John, uh, Wiseman making some statements about like, he kept setting bars and he said, I'll tell you what, if the, uh, I can't remember which car show it was, but it was something in Germany. Maybe he's uh, the Berlin auto show. I think it was, he said, if the Berlin auto show cancels, uh, you know, this industry's done, we're screwed. It's over. And then he said, if the Olympics cancel, we're done. This industry's <laughs> over. And both of those things and everything else canceled too. And guess what? The industry's stronger today than it's ever been. So you were wrong, John. Um, but a big one that we were all wrong about was on that podcast, we coined this phrase day 91. And the way I described it was, you know, spend 90 days improving yourself, upskilling yourself, cleaning up your company, fixing your books, whatever it is that you've been putting off for a long time that you now have the time to do and um, decide what you want to look like on day 91, which is the day that we come out from all of this. 
in reality, it was like day 591 or something, right? And we were way off on our estimates of it being a 90-day problem. Um, there are a few people out there, and Huntley Christie was one of them, who, who knew it was going to be a long problem. Huntley basically went to his team and he said, you know, we've got at least 18 months of this. We need to buckle down and figure some stuff out right now because we're screwed. And uh, Huntley was one of the very few. He acted quickly. He cut a lot of his staff. He cut a lot of his expenses. He closed a couple shops. And he just really hunkered down and got ready for the storm that was about to hit. And everybody went, he's overreacting. And people had so many bad things to say about Huntley back then guess what? He did better than so many other people did because he cut his expenses. How did he, how did he and early. Like, know that? The, the, the feeling or what? Well, like, I don't know what episode number that is, but if you search for uh, Huntley Christie on Geezes of Gear, uh, it'll, it, he says why on there, but it had everything to do with okay. um, a couple of other prior crises. And I, if I remember correctly, it was 9-11 and then the financial crash in like 2008 and um, he remembered that he had downplayed one or both of those and the impact and the length of time that it took to come back from those things was much worse than anybody had anticipated. And he felt like this was at least equal, if not worse uh, than those two. And he was exactly right. So, um, Brave man. you know, I know it's hard to go back and listen to stories about COVID and to what we were going through at the time and stuff, but it's actually also really interesting. It's a, it's a great snapshot of a very terrible time and some pretty smart people talking about it and just bouncing around it. And you can laugh at us too, because we were stupid as hell. We were so wrong about so many things, but we were trying to figure it out and we were trying to help people uh, in figuring it out. Um, again, another legend, uh, you know, the ACDC story is amazing, but uh, probably the most legendary production manager that ever lived, Jake Barry, uh, episode number 129. Great stories, funny, awesome. Listen to it. Unfortunately, most of these you can't view yet because uh, we didn't do YouTube until just recently, but uh, you can go to anywhere you get a podcast or you can go to geezersofgear.com. And uh, just search for either Jake Barry or search for uh, 129. Either way, you'll find it. Um, episode 162 is somebody that in the U.S. everyone will know, but probably outside the U.S. you're all going, who? Uh, Bob Gordon. And uh, so Bob Gordon did lots and lots of cool stuff that I didn't even know. I learned a lot of it right here on this episode. Um, but a couple of the big things he did, the guy was a visionary when it came to product selection. And so he was the guy basically who discovered the flying pig guys and, and brought the whole hog lighting console into America and did very, very well with that, obviously. And guess what? When that started going away because high end bought flying pig systems and he was going to lose the distribution of it, what did Bob do but go out and found this small German company called MA Lighting and then rode the wave of, you know, MA1, MA2, MA3. You know, I mean, just an incredibly smart guy, a great product picker, uh, and just a funny dude with some great stories. Uh, you know, I don't know how old Bob is now. I actually do, but I won't tell you. Um, but his memory of of these stories, of things that happened in the 60s and 70s, just incredible. So he's a great storyteller. And then finally, the 15th one uh, that is one of my favorites is uh, episode 181, and it's probably one of the greatest storytellers we've ever had on the podcast for the simple reason that the guy doesn't forget anything. And so Jonathan Smeaton was talking, I don't remember, it was like a Diana Ross show or something that he was talking about, something that he did in like the 70s. And he told you what gel number he was using on her because she liked this color versus this color and stuff how the hell do you remember that? Like, how do you remember the gel number that you were using on a show in the 70s? And so uh, he just, the guy tells stories like nobody else I've ever known. He tells them in great detail. He tells them with a perfect memory of them. And I just, I can't do that. Like, I won't remember people's names. I won't remember the name of the venue we were at. I won't remember the name of the artist that I was working for. You know, I remember the most important things like, did I eat breakfast? You know, but I, everything else is kind of, you know, blanked out at some point, right? 
But um, when I'd be on a tour as well, I would. Sorry to interrupt you. When I'd yeah, be on no a worries. tour, you know, we'd go back to you know a venue, and I'd be like, "Have I been here?" I was like, I, I, "No, I haven't." And then everyone's like, "You, Sarah, you've been here for five times." Yeah, that's and hilarious. And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, of course. I'm sorry." Yeah. Well, something pulls it together, you know. Like something there's there's an association where where it's like, "Oh, I remember these toilets," remember. <laughs> you know, or I remember <laughs> catering here. You had to go up 14 sets of stairs and around a corner where everybody almost dies and. Yeah, I mean, there's always something that you associate to that place. But back to Smeaton. So one of the stories, he starts telling the story. Uh, I was doing a small tour in Europe and uh, uh, with Frank Zappa. And, you know, it was, a, I think he said it was a one truck tour or something. And uh, we, we get to a club in, uh, uh, I think it was Lucerne or uh, wherever, somewhere in Switzerland. And... Um, and, you know, it's it's an upstairs club and kind of a cool place. And, and uh, uh, Frank's having an, a really great night and uh, the audience is way into it and stuff. And he stops part of the way through. And I hate to even tell this story because I'm screwing it up for everybody else. But go listen to it anyways, because hearing him tell it, I'm getting goosebumps again right now. I get it. I got it at the time. I'm getting it again. Um, but anyways, he, he says, uh, you know, halfway through a song, Frank stops and goes, we're on fire. And, and the audience goes, yeah, yeah, Frank, we're on fire. And he goes, no, the place is on fire. Get out. And uh, so they chase everybody out of the venue. And the crew was told, grab whatever you can and just throw it out the windows or whatever. And uh, so Jonathan grabbed, um, Frank had this famous guitar called the stereo guitar and he threw it out the window and it hit a tree and snapped in half and fell to the ground or whatever, right? But anyways, they're standing outside a bit later and just kind of looking at this smoldering building. And you turn around and look over uh, the lake and there's just like this layer over the water. And um, there happened to be another band in town at the time recording an album. And they wrote a song called Smoke on the Water. And... Uh, Jonathan was there. I mean, that to me, like, it's the first song I ever learned on guitar. It's it, the first song everybody ever learned on guitar. I owned a guitar store and everybody, every amateur wannabe guitar player walked in there and went, ah, 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 <laughs> and screwed it all up. But, <clears throat> you know, that, that's my youth. <clears throat> so that story, for whatever reason, I was so involved in the story, listening to it, I didn't see the end coming. And then when it came, I was like, no way. I was just shocked, right? I was blown away. And, and again, I just got goosebumps again now. Uh, you know, best story that was ever told. Well, right up there with, with uh, the pony one. And uh, Sarah, if you haven't heard the pony story yet, you got to go back and listen to the pony story because it is okay. friggin' funny. So yeah, those are my top 15. Sarah hasn't been here long enough to have a top anything yet. Uh, she could only tell you the top ones that, uh, by the way, every podcast we record now, Sarah sits in the background. She's in the green room listening, taking notes. She's a, a very uh, busy note taker. And, um, <laughs> and then after the podcast, she'll tell me all the things I did wrong, of course. And uh, yeah, so we're trying to figure out how to get Sarah to be able to do what Jamie does on the, on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, where I say, hey, Sarah, can you look that up? And she can look something up and go, well, as a matter of fact, and tell us, you know, whatever answer we're looking for. So, yeah, some great episodes. Listen to all of those. Listen to all of our episodes, of course, but those 15 are really, really great, all for different reasons. Most of them are because of stories, but some of them are just because of sentimental reasons or other things, but uh, all really great episodes and, and certainly the 15 that I picked out as, as really, really super important. So if I didn't pick you, I'm sorry, but it's not because I didn't like your episode. It's just because these ones had something that I needed to, <laughs> I don't know, bring along. You didn't pick my one, Marcel. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe maybe <laughs> on our fortieth anniversary or something that'll be like my share. Remember that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, thanks again, everyone. Thank you for listening to this uh, for as long as you have here. Fifty nine minutes of nonsense, 
And uh, five years, wow. Uh, we appreciate each and every person who listens to this. We love our sponsors. Thank you so much. Uh, keep listening. Keep watching on YouTube. If you have any ideas for guests, please bring them. We love uh, the ideas that we've been getting. Sarah reaches out to every single person. Of course, we don't put every single person on because we need to make sure it's going to be interesting or at least make an attempt at making sure it's going to be interesting. And some people, guess what? You think you're interesting. Maybe you're not so interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, and also sponsors. We have two more spots to fill. We have lots of people talking about those spots, but the two spots are still open. We need them closed before the end of February or January. And uh, Sarah, anything to add? No, you've covered everything. Mm, Go check out episode number one as well. It's bad. Episode one. Is like, it bad? I think as any kind of a creator, whether you're creating written stuff or a book or an album or a anything okay when you go to your first one you're embarrassed you know i'm gonna make some shorts and call it the embarrassing Uh, number jesus please (laughs) no please no anyways thank you again everyone and uh we'll see you on the next episode bye